My name is Andrea Aya Young, and I am a hypnotherapist and hypnosis writer. I had already been meditating for a really long time, probably 15 years, I would say. And I really enjoyed meditation of all different kinds. I had done Qigong and Tai Chi and yoga when I was a teenager and martial arts. And then when I moved to Montreal, actually before I moved to Montreal, I got into Vipassana and Buddhist, different sorts of Buddhist meditation. And then I got into transcendental meditation after reading David Lynch's book about meditation and creativity. And then I, t I took my transcendental meditation courses in Montreal when I first moved here. And then after a couple of years of hard Montreal living and moving to LA for a job and then moving back here completely burnt out, I knew that I wanted to get back into healing, but I also, I wanted something similar to meditation, but that was more sort of direct and specific. And my best friend from my hometown in Regina had become a hypnotherapist and by that time was starting to be a hypnosis trainer, like so training new hypnotherapists. And she had done one session for me before I moved to Montreal in 2011. And at the time I had asked her to do a session so that I could move to Montreal with, you know, positive anticipation and excitement. But all I was feeling was blind anxiety and doom. But I knew I had to get out of Saskatchewan. So I asked her to do a session and she had, she was like fresh. She had just finished her training and I think I was like the first person she did hypnosis with outside of her training or her immediate family like her husband and her kid so she did a session with me and it was amazing we, we did a early childhood regression to the first panic attack I ever had <laughs> which was when I was like I don't know five or six maybe like under ten and we we just revisited and healed that former self, basically, that little kid version of myself, my inner child. And it cut my anxiety by like, like my, my generalized anxiety that I'd been living with my whole life. It cut it by like 80%. So then when I moved back from LA, moved back to Montreal, I knew that it was time to get back into healing. And I was still doing meditation um, every day but I wanted to go do my training to become a hypnotherapist and my my best friend was lucky for me was my teacher my style of hypnosis over the years like next month will be my five-year mark of doing hypnotherapy but as I said I've been studying meditation of many kinds my whole life I feel and I've always been really like obsessed with religious studies and like world myth and myths from uh, my own culture being Ukrainian and indigenous but also like as a child was like 
obsessed with reading like Hindu myths and Buddhist myths and African myths and I off I had like a lot of these books that were like mermaid tales from around the world and it was like beautiful artwork and just incredibly like satisfying and luscious kind of stories but also really dark and I had a lot of these myth collections I would like steal books from the library about <laughs> about mythology and mythological creatures and archetypes like that and mysticism as well and the occult and all that and I mean I went to art school and I read the Freud and I like got into Carl Jung for a bit but ultimately psychotherapy and psychiatry and psychology and the pharmaceutical aspect of all these things this is all it's all so young and I feel that it's behooves us to put so much trust in it and it's also so fucking patriarchal and people seem to ignore that <laughs> so for me I try to do my own research into basically belief systems that are pre-patriarchy so like some of the art, some of the artists, writers, activists that I'm really into are Starhawk. She calls her lineage the reclaiming tradition, and she talks a lot about uh, an archaeologist. Her name is, I think, her first name is Maria. Her last name is Gimbutas, and she was like a multilingual archaeologist who, I think, she was the head of the UCLA archaeology department and she started looking at goddess cultures from the Fertile Crescent and ancient Rome and Greece and fertility goddesses and fertility worship and things like this and so I got really into reading about that. My whole practice is earth-based spirituality and I don't like, I don't love the word pagan because it has connotations of like people dressing up as fairies and but for me, earth-based spirituality is like drawing from indigenous cultures from around the world that are ancient, but also some that are current, and sort of finding the commonalities between different indigenous cultures, and you know, not in a way that's um, trying to replicate or take from or appropriate but really recognizing that we are at a very fast rate throwing away all of like all of the natural environment and losing connection to it in a way that's that's you know almost at the tipping point of like irrevocable damage and I just feel that our family structures and our relation to the planet and our natural resources and literally life, like life as a phenomena, <laughs> has been completely lost. I've always known that being in nature is my spiritual path and my spiritual safety net almost. And so I try to incorporate that into my practice. And even, even the Buddhist um, meditation that I am still studying and still practicing 
is Vajrayana Buddhism, which is Tantric Buddhism, or a form of Tibetan Buddhism that is blended with the local shaman cultures of Tibet and the Himalayas, but ultimately it is more about using the body as the way into spirituality and the earth and animals, essentially, which, you know, this exists and shamanism exists globally. It's not, it's not just in South America, it's not just in Siberia, but it's, it's exist, it existed as the first forms of spirituality the world over. People come to me personally and my practice for different reasons than are the common hypnosis subjects. Like the common hypnosis subjects are like smoking and weight loss basically. People come to me for generalized anxiety, addiction which has a deeper core issues with worthiness is a big one. Artistic and creative blocks is a big one because it's my community. Uh, often people come to me to get over their exes, <laughs> which I think, I don't know, I, I don't know if that's common to other hypnosis or hypnotists practices, but it's, it's like startlingly common in my practice, whereas like I'll like have two heartbreak sessions a day sometimes, which is adorable and just shows our value system <laughs> as creatives, I think, um, and our sensitivity as creatives. But yeah, I think people often come to me for what they think is one thing and then it it's a winding road inward, you know? <laughs> it's funny that in a sense the two things that people fear the most are sort of complementary opposites. One is that people think that it's not going to work at all, and two, people think that it's going to like work too well and they're going to lose control. And for me, it, like I've been doing this so long that neither are, are an issue to me. So my my role is just to reassure and that neither is going to happen because neither is going to happen. So I've, you know, people are sometimes like, what if it doesn't work? I'm really stubborn or ever, I'm really critical or whatever. Um, but I, again, getting back to meditation, my first day of hypnosis school, I asked my, my friend who's my teacher, what's the difference between hypnosis and meditation? Because I already knew so much about meditation and I felt comfortable in that realm. And she was like, I don't know, let's explore that together. And I've been exploring that for the last five years and for me, the answer is that hypnosis is just another form of meditation that uses uh, language and certain techniques that are unique to the practice to induce you into a hypnotic state or a meditative state or a trance state, but all of these states are the same brain state. <laughs> Some days, of course, like if you are a yoga practitioner or a meditator or even that feeling of waking up or being half awake early in the morning or if you practice lucid dreaming, you're gonna have days where it's deeper and days where it's less deep. So like sometimes you're at yoga and you're just like writing your grocery list in your head or thinking about sex or watching a movie in your head and it's the same 
kind of with hypnosis, but hypnosis is deeper because I'm I'm there guiding you and like holding your hand through it, right? So I think a lot of people have the reaction that oh I can't meditate, but with you it feels like you're meditating with me and for me and guiding me through it. And that's exactly right. Like I think a lot of people that come to hypnosis start meditating after hypnosis because they see the potential of their mind and the power of their mind. So this idea that, oh, I, I don't know if it's going to work or I don't know if it worked. And it's like, well, that's, it's kind of my job. <laughs> like I, I'm trained in how to like observe whether or not it's quote unquote working. And there are depth, depth tests that I'm doing for myself, even if you don't know that I'm doing them. And there's, there's ways of, you know, understanding or t telling if someone's in a hypnotic state. And the easiest one, and pretty much the only one I feel that I need to use in my practice, is I do the, the um, gluing your eyes shut, which is like you do the induction or you do a, a series of inductions sometimes. So you do the induction or the series of inductions and then I basically will say something along the lines of in a moment I'll ask you to try to open your eyes and you'll find that you cannot and the more you try to open your eyes the more you'll find that they're completely glued shut and um, then the person will try to open their eyes their eyes will, will either not move at all or they'll flutter or they'll open and then close immediately and that's a depth test for me but also in a sense to show the client that they're in a state people are like have you ever had someone that you just couldn't hypnotize and i'm like no <laughs> it's five five years i've been doing this and like that's never been a thing also if you're coming to me you want to heal you know, you're here for a reason, you're paying me money and you're interested and you want it to be a thing. So if you were to go to a meditation class, chances are you want to be there. Chances are you want to learn to meditate. So of course it's going to work. But then the idea that it's a loss of control, I feel like this is like a pop culture myth, probably from some like weird science fiction trope or like some like cold war like tests that the government did with like acid and sleep deprivation like i have no idea where this myth comes from but it's like probably like i don't know maybe it's from like some old law and order that everyone saw in the 80s i don't know where these like myths are disseminated from but you really just have to think about it as though it's another form of meditation and if you're here for it then it's it's gonna be what it's supposed to be <laughs> but it, yeah it's a matter of trust in yourself and in, in me too. I used to get frustrated or a little angry even because it's kind of like, I don't ask you if your job is real. I think about the body a lot. I used to be like a dancer. That's what I studied part of my schooling. And because of the form of hypnosis and the form of meditation that I do, I often say like the body is the messenger, the body's the way in, right? So our nervous system and at least part of our consciousness exists in the body. And so one of the first things that I do almost every session is like once the client is in a hypnotic state and has done the inductions with me, will bring up the negative emotion that they're trying to access 
through the body. So we do a body scan and like I use certain techniques to, to see where in the body or where in the nervous system the, the wound or the negative feeling is living. And it it's really feels like a geography of the body. If you even just think of certain parts of the body, like the hands are like what we create our world with, right? The feet is how we move through the world, the eyes is how we see the world, the heart is how where we feel and where we feel actual heartache, our gut is like our gut feelings. But I think about these different aspects of the hand, you know, knock wood, but I could deal without my hands. I really like my tool is my my voice. It's a it's my personal technology, you know, like I could be completely incapacitated, but as long as I have my voice, I feel like my purpose in this life could be fulfilled. I mean, on a more <laughs> uh, material realm, like, I use my iPhone to <laughs> record many recordings, like many hypnosis recordings. And honestly, to like take notes, like even when I'm in sessions with clients, I always say to them like, I'm not texting, I'm just taking notes about you. And it's like, I file everything there. I come back to the files on there. Like I'd be screwed without an iPhone, honestly. And I also like, I'm starting to, to make videos on my own I'm trying to get over like the camera shyness that I feel but I would really hate to have to just be like in a brick and mortar office and like be in an old school clinical hypnotherapist I get to advertise via the internet I get to connect and network and build collaborations through Instagram um, I'm really glad that the internet exists during this moment of my practice because like I said, I started five years ago, so I instantly was booking people through Instagram. And like, it has its issues, obviously. hate the algorithm, but it's still... I still need it. I think people are more hesitant to do the... through the internet at first, but it really depends. Like, I have clients who have done group sessions, solo sessions, and Skype sessions, and they're just like, yep, yeah, doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> you know, like all the same. Because really, after five minutes, your eyes are closed anyway. Not five minutes, but for my older clients, it's like, it takes a, like five minutes of catching up and me being like, what do you want to work on? And then we just get into it. Even though I just finished saying that, like, I need the internet and Instagram to market or to advertise my services. Word of mouth, always the number one, right? So I have a pal who I used to live with, but she was having a moment of like creative block. And so I did a few sessions with her. And then she recommended another, a friend of hers who I'd never met. And she ended up doing like, I don't know, like super intensive work with me for a little while. And I've never met her, but she's, she's someone who I've, I learned so much working with her and her entire life like drastically changed and she's someone that even though I've never met her I feel like kind of the most proud of that 
uh, transformation, I guess. Like it, it's in, in the dark night of my soul, I, when I'm questioning whether I should continue, like that person, like, and her interaction, like, is, keeps me going, basically. So I think if you have apprehension about doing it through the internet, you just, like, have to read some of the testimonials and know that there's people, real people, that, that love it. So I guess I, with with uh, online, I just make sure that I have a, enough time to like get pally with people, you know, so they so they feel comfortable with me and seem to like me and trust me. But yeah, I mean, I love doing it through the internet because like they get to be in the comfort of their own home and can curate the space, like they can have their cat next to them and have some Palo Santo going or be in their pajamas and then it sort of infuses their space with that healing vibe so that every day when they wake up when they you know look around their room they think about the session or whatever the case like obviously people are going to feel more comfortable in their space at home than if they come to a new place, meeting a new person, etc., and experiencing a new thing, right? So, you know, like it's blizzarding out right now, and it's like, just call me from your bed, dude. Like, let's do this. I made three recordings, it's been a while now, almost two years now, with uh, Ylang Ylang, local wonderful producer, and I use one of my recordings as my alarm clock. Like it's a like a it's on my phone. Downloaded it and I just every day I wake up to the sound of my own voice hypnotizing myself, you know. The way I've been understanding technology in the realm of healing is basically that we don't we don't have a grasp on where consciousness lives entirely. I think we have a very kind of minimizing idea of consciousness right now. Even the way people talk about thoughts or memory, they think it's in their brain. And to me, this is not the case at all. And both from my reading and research and studies, but also from my hands-on experience with people, our consciousness isn't just in the brain, it's, it's in the entire nervous system for one. It exists in the tissues and the fascia. You can look at Joseph Heller, he, he's the founder of a thing called Heller work, which is a type of body work that is like memory and trauma release and deep tissue realignment. You can look at the chakra systems, which is like an ancient Vedic science, <laughs> which talks about where consciousness lives. But also it's simply bigger than that, right? It's still like encouraging to try to understand consciousness as like, a much huger, more powerful, more fluid phenomena than we know. I have a website. I think I've had one client book me through the website, honestly, ever. Everyone books me through Instagram or through word of mouth. And I really think about how I'm portraying my, like, you know, we, we talk about it being my your, your brand, right? But it's also like, it's your vibe, it's your energy. We talk about these things as though they're like a colloquial, uh, we have a colloquial kind of like 
way of talking about vibe and energy, but like, do we know what, like, do we mean what we're saying? Like, do we actually give some weight and credit to those words of energy and vibe? Because for me, my Instagram bright and colorful and high saturation and that's the visual medium of it. But then I also have my writing, which is often like super TMI and intense and vulnerable and a little gory or scary at times, I think, or dark, but very honest. And it's all I can do to just show people as much of me and as much of my energy or vibe as I can, because like I said, my practice is so much more easy for me and everyone if there's a trust and a sense of people feeling like they know me, right? On the more material realm, I am like constantly ingesting new works on trauma <laughs> and the psychoneural immunological systems and that can range from like new age to like ancient age to medical and psychological and psychiatry i'm obsessed with dr gabor mate right now i think i read like three books of his this summer and like christian northrup who is a feminist, new age gyneco gynecological surgeon, a Potawatomi scholar, scientist, writer, professor um, named Robin Wall Kimmerer. Her book is called Braiding Sweetgrass and it, it's like a, a work of art and I wish that it would become our generation's like classic book on spirituality and like environmentally uh, centered spirituality, honestly. So when you're in hypnosis school, you're basically given some version of like a handbook and what they have in them is scripts, which are like certain, certain scripts that you start off reading to your clients um, to get better. And then eventually the idea is that you begin to be comfortable and improvise. Now, some hypnotherapists or hypnotists unfortunately never get off the script which to me is fucked and if you're going to that person don't go to that person come to me <laughs> but that's what I mean when I say I'm a hypnosis writer like I write those scripts for others but I also generally improvise for my own like within my own practice I never use a script anymore and I guess that's how it, it sort of was like a subtle, un, in, like unperceived slide into what I feel now is like a sort of mediumship. Like it's not just improvisation. It's like, I wouldn't be able to just, you know, talk to someone straight for two hours without pure exhaustion unless I was in a state of mediumship and meditation. And so, at the beginning it was pretty exhausting and now it's like my friends are always like concerned about my energy and I'm like no it's like it's actually like a day that I have like five clients is the best day because I'm basically in a trance state myself for the entire day there you know there's the idea of 
techno-shamanism and the, you know the cyborg manifesto and there's a lot of theorists that are finding the marriage of these two things of like the natural and the technological right and ultimately you know maybe technology is not going to be around forever because maybe we're going to use up all the resources <laughs> but it's here now it's not it's not going anywhere for the foreseeable future my personal understanding of the globalized world that we live in is that technology is mirroring nature itself and it's fucking ridiculous how many indigenous beliefs and how much indigenous knowledge is now being quote-unquote proven by science you have like indigenous elders from all over the world basically talking about animism and like the, the trees being alive, the mountains being alive, the mountains having consciousness and spirit, the waters being alive. And then, you know, in the last five years, the scientists of, of the industrialized world are like, yes, we've discovered that trees share nutrients and rescue each other and help each other's immunity. And there's a mycelial net that is connecting spores and mushrooms all over the world and the oceans are actually photosynthesizing through algae, not just the Amazon, or like not just trees creating oxygen. And it's like, this is the web of life itself. And that idea of that phenomena of the interconnected web, duh, is like mirrored in what we've created of interconnectivity of knowledge and information, but maybe that also is consciousness and is a mirror of life itself. To me, that's, that is a beautiful thing. It's just another pathway for healing. It's another tool for healing and for consciousness to flow through. And ultimately, life serves life. Like, for all we know, the mushrooms are the ones that are like sneakily giving us this magic to like think about how we can connect more, you know? All we're doing is just trying to connect more and obviously some people can talk, you know, we can talk about the way that like the internet is making us more alienated or the way kids are becoming addicted to their phones and then can't connect in real life. But maybe this is a little bit of a growing pain for what the internet can do for us because ultimately we can also make our tribes and our communities through the internet based on shared passions and belief systems rather than like, God forbid, I'm still living in fucking Regina, Saskatchewan and feel completely alienated and alone, you know? Like I can find people all over the world who think about the same things that I think about and have the same beliefs that I have. So yes, to me, it's just like, this is just another way for culture and consciousness to flow and to connect and it's just mirroring the web of life itself.